Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about uh, swinger lifestyle. The idea for this episode came from one of our wonderful listeners, Alma. Uh, she's from Romania, and she recommended that we do a series on various kinds of relationships. What is great is in comparison to 80 years ago that monogamy was pretty much the only option, and that was the acceptable option. Now we have numerous different relationship types and kinds, and people who are practicing them, and they have healthy relationships. She uh, sent me this list of various kinds of open relationships. Some of them I I knew about it, like swinging, and some of them I had no idea. So I'm very grateful for her for reaching out. And uh, we're doing this mini series based on her recommendations. And if you guys are interested to uh, send me a recommendation, you can either complete our survey, which will be up for another two weeks. It takes only one minute. Or you can shoot me an email at drmaoli at sexologypodcast.com. Although I worked with several couples who are engaging in swinging behaviors, I thought it would be wonderful to invite another expert to talk to us about this lifestyle. Our guest today is Shanta Blue. She's a licensed clinical social worker and certified sex therapist and co-owner of Blue Counseling and Wellness Center in New Jersey. She holds a BA in psychology from Spelman College, a master's degree in social work from Rutgers University, 
and a Master's of Education in Human Sexuality from Windener University. I hope I'm pronouncing these universities right. These are all East Coast University, and I, I don't know exactly how they're pronounced. Shanta's aim is to empower girls and women of color to clarify and create the career, relationship, sexuality, and overall lifestyle they desire. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Shanta Blue. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Shanta Blue, licensed social worker, sex and relationship therapist on our show. Shanta, welcome to our show. Hi, happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show because when it comes to swinger communities, swinging is one of those topics that we didn't necessarily have guests in the past talking about it. And I know that's one of those communities that you work with. And I certainly had couples that were in the lifestyle. So I'm very excited and looking forward to this conversation. Great. I am too. This would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great. So let us start with a more kind of a broad and basic definition of when we're talking about swinging and swinger lifestyle, what would that entail? Um, Swinging usually entails more of a social, um, sexual interaction with folks. So it's typically recreational um, and you find partners with your significant other, typically your boyfriend or your spouse or your girlfriend. um, And you find either other couples or other singles to engage in sex with outside of your regular relationship, kind of that spectrum of open relationships. So it's something that is definitely consensual and something that couples talk about ahead of time um, in order to establish some rules and some boundaries about, you know, who are they going to be attracting? How are, how is the, the are, how are these sexual relationships going to look and things like that? And it's interesting because that can be finding other people can be challenging. I know a few couples that I work with, specifically one of them, it was hard to find people that they were mm-hmm. fits of yeah. what they want. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that people find other couples, other individuals? So typically um, folks will go to swinger parties um, and parties can be in like hotels or actual event spaces. Some parties are what they consider on-premise parties, so where you can um, have sex on in that you know facility. Typically, that's in a hotel room. Um, I know in the Northeast there are some clubs that allow um, on-premise swinging, or it can be off-premise. So they'll have like a, just a regular social gathering, either at a restaurant or at somebody's house, and then you can meet some folks and then you know, take them back to your own hotel room or your own house, whichever you decide. Also, folks will find other um, partners on online communities. So there are a few online communities where people kind of like Tinder for swingers, in a sense, where you can meet them and chat and kind of get to know them before you make that next step of actually having sex with each other. Very cool. And I'm kind of curious about how did you get interested working with this community? (laughs) So it's actually very somewhat personal. I did have a good friend who 
was in the swinging lifestyle and she invited me and another friend to an event and it kind of piqued my interest from there. I was like, oh, this is like so cool. I've never really, you know, <laughs> seen this population before or heard of it. Um, and I was just starting my journey into becoming a sexuality educator and therapist. Like I was contemplating it, but hadn't made any steps to kind of start working on it. Um, so she took me to this event and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, and then, so I started going to more events with her and then realized like, Hey, there's not a lot of black folks or just people of color in general in these spaces. And I, I started to become curious about that. And so a lot of um, my research and my second master's program was focused on like minority populations within the swinger community. It's wonderful to have open-minded friendship and <laughs> friends. <laughs> I have to tell you, since I'm more involved with sex therapy, sex educated community, like the events I'm going significantly is more entertaining and engaging. <laughs> mm -hmm. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Our events are always amazing. I actually just came from a conference in Atlanta called Sex Down South and it was just the most open and inclusive environment. And it was just everybody was being themselves. And it was really awesome. You know, I want to follow up with the comment you, meant, uh, you mentioned about people of color and the swinging communities. What did you find in your research? Uh, what was it like to do the research? So a lot um, of the swinging community and a lot of the previous research that was done focused mainly on white populations. So the majority of swingers are white, middle-aged, um, upper to middle-class folks who have like college degrees and good jobs, like professional jobs, like doctors, lawyers, teachers, things like that. And so I was always curious, okay, what about you know, other populations, what are their demographics? Um, and like socioeconomically, they were, there were a lot of parallels. But once again, like I said, um, just ethnically, there was that diversity. So it is something that people with a little bit of money can usually participate in. Um, not to say that other people who may not be um, on that socioeconomic level can't participate in it, but it's more likely that you'll see people who have professional jobs that will participate in the activities just because it costs um, some money. So a lot of times going to the different clubs and events, um, you have to pay a significant amount of money to enter. So I think that definitely is a factor in the demographics. That is interesting. I know I saw at least with the community I work with, the couples I work with, they were a little bit more diverse in the sense that I know there was a couple of them Latinos, Middle Eastern, but mm -hmm. certainly Caucasians. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can understand that if that's one of those things that you have to pay. I know they were sharing with me, they were going to cruises and there are clubs mm -hmm. and all of that. I can yeah. see that you need to have money to be part of that scene. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I guess the other part of it that I want to talk about as far as like the swinging, is it like couples going in or if you're single, you can be part of the scene? Can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, so it's traditionally a very heteronormative um, environment, meaning that there are a lot of male-female couples. But in just kind of my research, I did see um, some like lesbian couples and gay couples at a few of the events as well. But also there are singles that attend. 
female singles are usually called unicorns <laughs> because right. they're not too many of them. Um, they're very rare who just want to have sex with the couple together. Um, so they consider that to be very rare. A lot of times, you know, the female partner, the single female partner will just be attracted to the woman or just be attracted to the man and not want to engage with the couple. So there's a lot of different variations in who does participate. Um, it's very uncommon to see single males in these spaces. A lot of times from just people I've spoken with is more of a safety issue. Um, just because I guess typically, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with this, but typically men are very um, aggressive in that sense, in the sexual sense, or they just kind of are very like just pushy and, you know, wanting to dominate the situation. So they, I know a lot of the clubs will tend to not allow single men in, but they'll allow single women in. That is interesting. Yes. It's mm -hmm. one other area that women have a kind of upper hand when it comes to it. <laughs> it seems like the single women unicorns are like, are like welcome and the men. Mm -hmm. And I can understand for the safety, but that is very interesting. And as far as their kind of dynamic of their relationship. So my understanding is like most of the time it's purely sexual, like they do the social thing and their sexual activity afterward. Do you work with couples that like these kind of relation, this kind of like sexual relationship morphs more to a interpersonal relationship or like kind of the turns to polyamory? Mm -hmm. So traditionally, um, swinging is solely about the sex. Like you know, we're not having any additional relationships, no emotional connections outside of our sexual relationship because my emotional connection is saved for my spouse or my partner. But a lot of the folks that I work with, you know, in this lifestyle, they are looking for people who they can have genuine friendships with first. They may not have like a romantic connection with them outside of the bedroom, but they definitely want to be friends first. Um, so so some uh, some categorize themselves as friends first swingers or in the lifestyle to connotate that they, this is like who they are. They want to gain social connections with folks. They, it's not just about the swinging. In my research, I've also come across a new term that kind of mixes swinging and polyamory. So it's called swallies. I don't know if you've ever heard no, of it. I haven't heard about it. That's interesting. Yeah, I forgot who coined the term, um, but it's swallies. And it's for those who enjoy both casual or recreational sex. Um, and may have that deep emotional and erotic connection with someone, um, not just the sexual, the physical sexual aspect of it. So it's pretty cool. So it teeters that line of polyamory in the sense that, yes, they're having an emotional connection, but they may not be like dating this partner. They may not be like in a full-fledged relationship with them, but they really truly care about the partner that they're having, the sexual relationship with outside of their marriage. That is interesting. And it kind of makes sense that most of the time, at least I know for me and many females, it's like you want to be able to like the person in order to be exactly. <laughs> go in bed with them. <laughs> so I can understand that, you know, there got to be some level of connectivity going on. Have sex with jerks all over. <laughs> right, right. 
I mean, I can see them and make sure they're good people. Right. <laughs> I can see like, you know, they, they can, if they're kind of like different, they can be exotic and erotic. <laughs> mm-hmm. but you want to make sure they're good people. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious to see if you did any research or you read about any research about the quality of the uh, sexual experience compared mm-hmm. to kind of monogamous relationships or other kind of consensual non-monogamous relationships. The actual academic research varies a lot when it comes to that. So some people say there's more satisfaction in their monogamous relationship. Others are saying, you know, there's more satisfaction in their swinging or open relationship. So the research says a little bit, like, you know, it's kind of still conflicted with that. But from the couples that I work with and I talk with, um, a lot of them do have very satisfying relationships, both, you know, in their their committed relationship as well as their sexual relationships. Um, it allows them to really explore different types of sex that maybe they can't get from their partner or their partner just isn't able to provide for them. Um, so they're getting all of the, their needs met um, and not putting that pressure solely on their spouse or their long-term partner. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing to be able to understand that, okay, my partner can't be my end-all be-all. Like they can't just give me everything that I need because they're human. <laughs> they have their own needs. They have their own lives. They have their own things going on. So it's important to not necessarily just spread the love in the sense, but essentially <laughs> spread the love. <laughs> and I think certainly it helps with kind of creating novelty, excitement. So mm-hmm. I can see it can be a very healthy thing for many couples and individuals. I guess I can see then on the other side of it, when people like any other relationship, when you open up the relationship, the jealousy component can be very yeah challenging. So how do you recommend people to navigate that piece? Communication. (laughs) Communication is going to be key in any type of relationship that you are involving yourself in. And I know a lot of the controversy, at least when I was first starting to learn about um, different types of relationship styles, is that, you know, people think, oh, if I'm in this polyamorous relationship or I'm in this open relationship, um, that I experience full compersion and I don't get jealous, you know, about my partner being with somebody else. And that's not the case. Jealousy is a natural emotion that we um, get. And, you know, we have to learn to kind of sit with that jealousy and really figure out, okay, where is this coming from? Um, And I've found with my clients that a lot of times the jealousy comes from a fear of abandonment or a fear of not being adequate enough, not being, you know, that person that our partner needs or wants in a sense. Um, And so just kind of unpacking that and exploring that through talking with your partner or, you know, going to a therapist, either individually or with your partner to kind of unpack that a little bit and see where is that coming from and what now does your partner need to do for you in order to help you overcome that? Or what are some steps that you need to take to manage your jealousy and kind of figure out what's going on? And I think with swinging, it's one of the more challenging kind of 
non-monogamous relationship when it comes to jealousy i can imagine because mm-hmm. i i have clients that are non on uh, a consensual non-monogamous relationships and the arrangement they have they just don't talk about it as mm-hmm. much or there are like very firm boundaries about what are you're going to share with me and what you're not going to share with me but i think that would be different if you're going with your partner to a swinger party or social event because you guys mm-hmm. know you're going in with that intention yeah Yeah, it can definitely be difficult, especially um, if they are what they call full swap swingers. So full swap is when in a traditional heterosexual relationship, the husband will go with the other partner's wife and the wife will go with the other partner's husband. Um, And sometimes they will go to completely separate rooms and um, just have different sexual experiences outside of each other. But there's also times where the couples may engage in play together in the same room. Um, so they see everything that's going on. They see um, their partner's like responses to sexual activity, sexual positions and things like that. And so, yeah, it can become a little bit more, you know, jealousy provoking in that sense, because if you're seeing everything that's going on and you know what's going on, sometimes that's better for people because like they're like, I want to know everything. So there's no secrecy. There's nothing we're hiding from each other. But then sometimes if there's that, you know, I don't want to know anything. So I don't get jealous and things like that. So it's very convoluted in that sense that um, it can look different for everybody. Yeah, and I can see it is a, a preference. So um, if you rather kind of going somewhere with your partner and doing it socially, it might be I can see one person getting more comfort in the fact that, you know, we're going together, we're coming back together, we're, we know what's going on versus exactly. in an other form of open relationships that, you know, you don't know what would happen, what's the degree of the, what's the range of things going on emotionally, mm-hmm. sexually. So I can see that it's one of those things that people need to kind of check in with themselves, seeing mm-hmm. what would be a good fit for them. I guess the other kind of series of questions I have is related to the misconceptions mm-hmm. when it comes working with this community and also that the couples are experiencing. What are some of the common ones that you hear? Um, so there are tons of different misconceptions, but I would say probably my top three is that um, swinging people engage in swinging because they're unhappy in their marriage or their relationship. Um, So they're going to this to kind of save the relationship in a sense. And I think that is completely different from what I see, at least in my office, is that um, couples are doing this as, you know, in addition to their already stable and happy marriage. Um, They, you know, want to explore some different options so they can continue to have that happy marriage. Um, A lot of times, my couples that I work with are great communicators. They discuss everything. <laughs> they have really good boundaries set for each other. Um, and it's not necessarily a problem within their relationship that they have decided to now become swingers. Another thing that I hear a lot is that the swinging community is like riddled with STIs and, and you know, all these diseases. And actually swingers are some of the most safe sexual people that I know because right. they are very conscious and making sure number one, they're not bringing home any type of infection or disease to their 
long-term partner or their spouse, or they just don't want to get pregnant. So mm-hmm. they want to make right. sure that they're taking all these steps to protect themselves. They also get tested really regularly. So they may get tested either with every new partner or every three to six months, a lot of them. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine yeah. if there's another kind of partner there, there's like, you know, your partner is sexually active with other people, it creates another level of accountability. Yes. So that, I like that, that you're kind of making that, kind of sharing that information because I can totally see that people will kind of make that connection. And I'm curious yeah. about the third one. Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> The last one that I hear a lot is that they're perverts or sex addicts. So that, yeah, like it's unbelievable. (laughs) But a lot of people think that, oh, they're just oversexed and they're unsatiable and all these different things, um, derogatory comments about their sex life. But that's really not the case. They're just, you know, expressive and they're free and they're open about their sexual needs. And that's okay. It, it's not something that they're overusing or over abusing in the sense where it's impacting their everyday lives. And they're not perverts in the sense of they're like, like molesters or rapists and things like that. You know, they just, like I said, enjoy sex and see it as a way of connecting with other folks and just being who they truly are. And as far as the diversity in the community, how diverse it is, is this community, kind of globally and nationally? So there have been studies that have said that there are like tons and tons of swingers out there that we don't even know about. I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was pretty high. I want to say it was on, it was about 40% of married couples or something like that have participated in swinging in some form. Um, but and this was but this was a study that had happened like in the early 2000s, I believe it was. Um, so it's very diverse in a sense that a lot of people are engaging in it racially. I don't think it's too diverse. It's probably about I want to say 80, about 80 to 90 percent are Caucasian mm-hmm. folks who participate in this. But I do think that number is shifting a little bit more as um, especially people in the African-American community are becoming more comfortable with expressing their sexuality and really just, you know, getting rid of that shame that has historically been kind of forced upon us. So it's, I think I think is changing only, but I could also be in a little bubble <laughs> because I particularly try to connect with um, communities of color who are in the swinging lifestyle. So I could be in my bubble, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that I, depending on who we are surrounding ourselves, our uh, mm-hmm. lens that the lens we have might be different. But again, I hear that you, you did research on it. You're certainly. Uh, more educated in this area than me. (laughs) But as far as the shame piece, is it about like, you know, some communities kind of perceive a monogamy better than non-monogamous relationship? What is the shame coming? Where is the shame coming from? Um, It's definitely coming from that piece that our society values monogamous relationships. That's definitely one part of it. Um, And that like, you know, our presidents, they've always, you know, encouraged, you know, getting married and waiting till you're married to have children and establish this lifestyle and things like that. Um, And so 
monogamous relationships are kind of at the top of the hierarchy and then it's you know consensual non-monogamous relationships are kind of a lot lower than that and so there's shame surrounding that particularly for the african-american community um there's shame because our culture has always been seen as oversexed in general. I, I even remember reading one article that said that they were surprised that there weren't more African Americans in this lifestyle because they, you know, are seen as promiscuous and no. just enjoying sex. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy that, that that was actually published. <laughs> right, right. It's like it's a private thought that you keep give it to yourself, even if you have that bias. Yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, there like our African American culture really tries to combat that uh, that stereotype that we are oversexed by you know repressing our sexuality completely. And for a lot of folks, we're starting to realize that no, I can still be a sexual being and still you know be well educated and be a good role model for the people in my community or my children or all these other things. Um, so it's starting to come away from that piece of shame and that um, what we call respectability politics of how one should act and behave and dress in certain kind of situations and, you know, how we should present ourselves to the world. So people are starting to really kind of come away from that and be like, hey, I am who I am and I'm going to enjoy all parts of myself. I love that. And I agree with that because nothing good coming from Middle Eastern culture, I can tell you nothing good can come from uh, uh, repressing your sexual <laughs> desires. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I'm all for people exploring mm-hmm. and kind of being open about what, what they want. <laughs> yes, and me and you both because we work in this field. But uh-huh. I'm kind of curious about the global piece of it. The reason I'm saying that, uh, one of my mentors is a psychologist. I think he's in like late 80s. I, I have lots of respect for him and he was telling me he's not a sex therapist and he was telling me that in like early 1970s in Iran he he was talking about the clients he had they were going to this swinger parties and I Mm -hmm. thought that was very forward thinking of the community there and I would imagine there are uh swinger community all around the globe so that would be interesting for me to learn more about that I'm definitely sure about that. Um, They're all over the world. There are swinger communities. And in some places, they may be a lot more hidden than they are, you know, especially in the United States. Um, Or they may be more open. I'm not 100% um, sure about that. But I do believe there is... When is there's a global organization of swingers? I know there's a North American Swing Association, but I'm, I'm... almost positive there's another like more global association because even on I think the swinglifestyle.com website there are they have like kind of filters for like you know different countries and things like that so there definitely must be something out there for that but I'm sure of it because it it started back in during like World War II when they were like where Um, Air Force pilots who like they had high mortality rates. So their, you know, wives and significant others were dying. Excuse me, not the wives, the pilots were dying and wanted someone to take care of their wives. And so that's how that kind of developed. So and I know they were stationed in many other countries other than just North America. So 
I'm sure it has expanded and grown in that sense. Very interesting. And I can imagine that if the image that people have as this is like more uh, toward higher SES, do you feel that kind of higher SES Caucasian kind of people are engaged in that? Do you think it's less stigma attached to that? Or you feel it's equally the stigma is the same level as other kind of non-monogamous relationships? Um, it's probably not as stigmatized among that group <laughs> since you see it more often. But because I'm not part of that group, I'm not 100% sure about that. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm always, you know, recently I've been thinking about how the different images are different things, you know, impacts people's perspective on various issues. So so I guess that was a random thought that I had. But I guess we're toward mm-hmm. the end of our time. I want to make sure that, first of all, our listeners, if they want to work with you, they want to learn more about your practice, mm-hmm. where can they find you? So first, you can always find me on my website, which is www.bluewellnesscenter.com. Um, so you can definitely reach out to me on there. I'm also big on Instagram. I love <laughs> posting on Instagram. So you can find me at NJ Sex Therapist on Instagram. And those are the two main ways that you can reach out to me. Um, and through there, you can find like my services that I offer in, in my actual office, as well as different challenges that I have or different um, online coaching programs that I have through the website and, of course, through Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was such a helpful conversation yes, for me and our listeners. Yes, yes. Hopefully we can have you in future episodes. Yes, I would love to. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shante. I know I learned tons of new information and I hope you found the information helpful. As we were talking about this topic with Shanta, I was I was thinking about my attitude and my uh, experiences with uh, swinger community and swinging. So one funny thing is that the first time I heard about swinging, I learned about it. I was I think eight or nine. So uh, in our house, I guess like my my parents were both working and very busy. I have. I had minimal uh, supervision. So what happened, we had this movie that was certainly rated R and it was uh, this comedy around the couples that they wanted to open up their relationship and they were going to this swinging parties. And I think the movie was made in 1970s and it was just lots of fun parties and body painting. And I remember from then that how how much I loved the movie how much I thought was oh this is fun this is something I want to do as an adult and that's how I feel that's part of how my perspective towards swinging got formed and it's interesting when you think about it many of our attitudes about different sexual behaviors the kind of relationship comes from our childhood because again I watched this movie by chance and because he was showing had this positive spin on swinging I felt even now I have this 
positive, fun feeling when it comes to singing lifestyle. And then also I wanted to remind you guys that you can always make an appointment to come work with me or with my colleagues. So what I'm very excited about is that I recently hired two great therapists. And now uh, we're happy that we can offer you a range of pricing depending on people's experiences, their availability. So uh, if you are interested to see me or one of our therapists, you can give me a call at 310-600-9912. And also you can make an appointment with me and others through our website at oasis2care.com. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.